Amen. That song really uh, gets me excited to come up here and uh, to share God's word with you uh, this morning. Uh, so before we start, let's go ahead and pray uh, one more time before we jump into Psalm 121. Father, we come to you this morning confessing our weakness, confessing our need for your help. Lord, I need your help. Just like my brother Kevin prayed this morning, Father, if you are looking for weakness, you have found it in me. I need your help, God. Help us all. Lord, this morning to to look towards you, knowing that that is where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. So, Father, we ask that you would draw near to us now during this time, that as we look to your word, that we would be struck by it that your spirit would bring things to our minds, cause us to reflect on our lives, cause us to reflect even more on the treasure that is your son, Jesus. God, I can't do this in my own strength. I need your help, Lord. I'm asking, God, that you would come and be gracious this morning. As I preach your word to these dear people, God, I pray, Lord, that we would be changed and affected. That we would all together see Jesus and behold him for who he really is. God, your word calls you a keeper. You're watchful. You guard us. You provide everything we need every day without fail. So God, we trust you to come now and keep us during this time. We love you. We thank you for the salvation that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we get to enjoy that here this morning and and think about it. Lord, we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, good morning. Um, My name is Ron Diaz. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we'll be taking a short break from uh, the Gospel of Mark uh, since Justin's out of town this weekend. And we're going to be heading back into the the Psalms. So out out of 150 Psalms to choose from, a lot of times it's hard just to land on one to preach. It's a challenge to decide which one to preach. They're all God-breathed scripture. All of them are are Bible, so you really can't pick a a wrong one. Uh, And for today's message, I picked Psalm 121. But I also want to give you an idea of why I chose to preach this particular psalm. So here are some of my my reasons for doing that. So every day, it's truth, every day life in a fallen world is hard, right? Some days are, are easier than others. 
Sometimes you're on a winning streak for a little bit, but then before you know it, life's tough again. It's difficult. It's part of the curse, right? It's difficult because we are sinners and the people around us are sinners, right? We don't respond to things the way we should. We respond poorly when things don't go the way we want them to go, right? Our kids don't listen, right? And if you ask the kids in the room, their parents don't listen, right? There are times when we get sick, when we get hurt, we lose people. All types of stressors and burdens in life that make it hard, right? The everyday grind, as we call it. Life's tough at work. It's tough at school. It's tough at church. It's tough at home. Even when you're on vacation, it's tough then, right? I've been on vacations where I get there and I thought I was going to be resting, relaxing, and it feels like I need a vacation for my vacation. I'm sure you guys can relate to that. Right? And then there are times, that's just the everyday grind, there are times on top of the everyday difficulty of life when something terrible happens unexpectedly. Right? Your, your plate's already full, and then here comes something just, some disastrous problem right on top of it. Right? You lose your job. Somebody you love dies unexpectedly. You've been diagnosed with cancer or some other terrible disease just out of the blue. Right? Every day we wake up, we really don't know what's going what's gonna to happen. And in the midst of all those issues, we try to find relief. Right? We seek relief from the toughness of life. So whether you think so or not, we, we all need help daily. Right? And my plan here with this psalm, with Psalm 121, is to point you to the only one who can provide the help that you need. Right? to remind you that he is the one who keeps you every day. So that is my aim here this morning. So I'll go ahead and uh, flip to Psalm 121. I'll give you all a few, time, a few moments to, uh, to get there. So here's a plan. I'm going to read through the psalm once to help us gain our footing. After that, I'll give some back, background uh, about the text. And then we'll go back through and think through this passage together a little slower as we look at it in three separate sections. But I'll get to that here after I read once through. All right, I'll go ahead and read. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. All right, so to start off here, let's talk about the background. It's important to, uh, 
to know the context as much as possible of what we're, we're looking at here. So first off, who wrote it? Well, the text itself doesn't identify who the author is, but most people think that David is a person responsible for writing Psalm 121. Um, also, we're not given the specific occasion uh, that would be helpful in telling us why the author wrote it. Right? It doesn't provide a specific problem that the psalmist is facing. What we are given is a heading there at the beginning, which says a song of ascents. All right, so let's consider what that title means. All right, so Psalms 120 through 134 all share that same heading, a song of ascents. Some translations say a song of degrees. Either way, the Hebrew word used there that is translated ascents means goings up. Right, and because of that, this particular set of 15 Psalms, 120 through 134, are sometimes referred to as the pilgrim psalms, right? And the reason for that is because they may have been sung by Hebrew people during their pilgrimages to Jerusalem to partake in feasts uh, that God had commanded them to keep throughout the year. This is, this is referenced in Exodus 23, where the laws about the Sabbath and festivals are outlined. So basically, there were feasts that God required his people to keep yearly, so they would go up to Jerusalem throughout the year to worship and to participate in these celebrations. So based on that, it's believed that God's people would sing these pilgrim songs during these trips. And that's why they're titled Song of Ascent, because they would be going up to the temple in Jerusalem. There's a couple other takes on this title as well. So some think that Hebrew priests would sing these songs as they ascended the steps to the, to the temple. Uh, another reason could also be from the way that this psalm is written. So when you begin reading the verses, you may notice, if you look close, uh, there's a repetition of certain words and thoughts in kind of a stair-step fashion. Right? Usually the word occurs at the end of the, the initial verse, and then it's stated again at the beginning of the next one. Right? For example, if you look at verse 1, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From, from where does my help come? Right? The word help at the end of verse 1 is used as a step to verse 2, right? which is my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Right? Another example you have there in, in verses 3 and 4, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Right? So the phrase at the end of verse 3, he who keeps you will not slumber, is repeated again and expounded on more in the next verse. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So that's what's so great about uh, the Psalms. You have these little details interwoven in the text like this, and it's, it's easy to miss if you're not looking for it. Uh, so to summarize, this heading and uh, what it means, basically this group of 15 Psalms may have been sung during pilgrimages to Jerusalem, or it could have been sung by priests, or it could... Uh, be because of the liter literary device used in the writing, the, the stair-step uh, connection between each verse. Uh, but the important thing to keep in mind is that any one of those views or any combination of them doesn't change the author's intended meaning and purpose for the psalm. So let's think about that for a few moments, about the author's intentions in writing this. What was the goal here? Right? Well, as you begin reading, it starts to become clear. The psalmist wants to point you to God as your helper 
and as your keeper. He wants his audience to look to the Lord for help. And this psalm in particular can be viewed as an illustration of what life looks like for the people of God. We are all on a journey of sorts, right, to, to the holy city. All right, we've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus. He has bought us. He's given us a new identity. And by God's spirit working in us, we now live for him. And each day we live as people who have been eternally changed in a world where we're just being constantly assaulted on all sides by all kinds of problems. So just as the psalmist wants to remind his readers of where his help comes from, I also have that same goal in mind for us today. This psalm is a resting place for burned out, weary saints. All right, now I want us to spend some time going through these verses, and we're going to look at them in three uh, separate sections. So I'm going to give you the roadmap, so to speak, here. Uh, it'll look like this. So the first section, uh, verses 1 and 2, we'll spend some time considering why we need help and where the source of our help comes from. Uh, the second section will be verses 3 and 4. We'll think about uh, the type of help that God provides. And finally, the third section will finish up uh, this will be a reflection on God as our keeper in this life and eternity. All right. So now before I start, I want to I want to make this this known. It's always good to say this. Right? I will not be able to say all that there is to say about this particular passage in one sermon. Right. The plan is to present to you the general theme of what this uh, scripture is saying. So with that understanding, let's go ahead and get started with the uh, first section here in verses 1 and 2. I'll read them for us. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. All right, so a couple interesting side notes about uh, those first two verses. This is a very well-known text. I'm sure many in the room are familiar with uh, the beginning of Psalm 121. Casting Crowns wrote a song about it, if you're familiar with that. And even though the psalm is well-known, and we all tend to say things like, you know, I, I know, Ron, that my help comes from God. We say that all the time. We also lose sight of what that means when we're struggling in the day-to-day -day life, when we're just fatigued with everyday pressure. It's like we forget it. We be we get amnesia. So before we spend more time on that, let's start off by thinking about the reason the psalmist asked that question. All right, he asked the question, from where does my help come from? Well, obviously, the only time someone would ask that is when they're in need of help. Right? The text doesn't describe the problem. It only gives his response. But then think about what's being said there at the beginning of verse 1. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. So if we go with the context that this psalm was used as a psalm by God's people during pilgrimages to Jerusalem, then maybe the psalmist is looking towards the hills in the distance and thinking about how much longer they have before they reach the temple. Is he asking for help to finish the journey? Right? I'm sure some of you have been on lengthy trips before. Right? I remember from my time in the Marine Corps going on some pretty intense hikes. Right? They're actually called humps in the Marine Corps, I think. Nathaniel, you were in the army. They call them road marches in the army. So 
very intense, long uh, hikes. They go on mile after mile, full gear, full packs, full rifles, equipment, everything, right? And most of the time, you're, you're tired, you're hungry, you're sore, your feet hurt, and you think, or at least I did, how much longer is it, do I have to endure this? Like, how much longer do I have to keep going? Most of the time, you're looking down or at the pack right in front of you, pretty much. You know, the tall guys are in the front. I was pretty short, so I was way in the back there. Um, but yeah, you just, you, you start to think, like, inwardly, just, when is this going to stop? What's the point of this? So is this a reason why the psalmist is, uh, is looking towards the hills? Again, the text doesn't identify the actual problem, and I think the reason that it's left vague is because the answer is superior to whatever trouble he's facing. Right? In this moment, he's not inwardly focused on himself or on his circumstances. He's not concentrating on what's happening inside of him or around him. Right? He's lifting his eyes up away from himself and asking, for where does my help come? Now, I'm not trying to minimize or dismiss the struggles that we experience in life. I've already stated that everyday life in a fallen world, it's, it's difficult, right? Real life is hard, even without major catastrophes happening. But I'll be honest with you, you know, like the past couple of months of my life have really, really worn on me. You know, there's so much going on, I feel like I just can't keep up with, with everything that's happening. It's been hard on me, it's been hard on my family. And I know many of you feel the same way about your own lives right now. You know, as, as a pastor, I know about certain struggles that you guys deal with every day. The hardships that you face every day. So the point here isn't that the problems in your life are irrelevant, like they don't matter. Right? The point is this. If you are a child of God, no matter what is happening in your life, know that he cares for you. And he wants you to trust him for help. We need to constantly be reminded of that. So let's think about how God is the source of our help as we uh, look again at verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. All right, so the answer the psalmist gives to the question, from where does my help come from, is this verse right here. My help comes from the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, right? Yahweh, the personal name of God. The name that God spoke to Moses in Exodus 3, translated as I am, right? Tell them I am sent you. My help comes from I am, the one who made heaven and earth. Right? The author of the psalm is in the midst of his trouble. He answers his own question with the truth about who God is who God is. He points us back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if my help comes from God, and God is the one who created all things in existence, including heaven and earth, then what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us as his people? So I want you just to reflect on these realities with me for, for a few and this is true for all of us that are in Christ. And it's, it's true for all of God's people all the time. So think about this. Since God is my help, 
He knows what I am going through. Since God is my help, he knows what's troubling me. Right? He knows the secrets of our hearts. God draws near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 147, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. A lot of times we don't think that. We think God has left us in our suffering. We think God has completely just fallen asleep. He's uninvolved. But that's not true. Since God is my help, he knows what I'm going through, and he cares about what I'm going through. It's not like he's saying, suck it up and move on. That's not, that's not God's character. He shows compassion to his children like a father shows compassion to his own children. All right, the second reality. Since God is my help, he will never leave me. Since God is my help, he will never leave me. Isaiah 41, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The everyday grind of life, we feel at times that we're just alone in it. Nobody understands. Nobody gets it. We're, we're, you know, even other Christians at times, we, we just think that we're by ourselves, just left to deal with whatever's going on in our lives. It's not safe, safe to uh, share it with anybody. It's not, um, we don't want to, we want to isolate. But the truth is that if you are a Christian, then the Spirit of God dwells in you. And in the church, the Spirit of God dwells in all of us. So we have each other. That you're not alone in this, right? God will never leave you. All right, third reality. Since God is my help, he is gracious to me. Since God is my help, he is gracious to me. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble, right? Now, this doesn't mean that all of a sudden, Whatever issues you're facing will just disappear, right? Since God is gracious. We still have to endure suffering and horrible things in life. All of that is true. And at the same time, God is still gracious to you in your suffering. How? Remember that Christ, that through Christ, God has adopted you into his family, not because you're worthy to be adopted. We were enemies of God. He did that because he's gracious. He loves you because he loves you, not because you earned it. And since you've been brought into his family, God has given you brothers and sisters in Christ. He uses his church as a means of grace. We have each other to help bear one another's burdens. Now, at times do we fail at doing this? Yeah, often we do. But God's spirit is still working in us and through us. There's still love. There's still sacrifice happening. There's still grace being extended. There's still forgiveness being extended. Help is happening. The grace of God is a reality that you enjoy right now, today, 
and you'll enjoy it forever. Because ultimately, in the end, after you've suffered and you've struggled, all of those troubles that you've experienced in your life, they will seem short compared to eternity with Christ. Right? A light momentary affliction. 1 Peter 5. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So when we, when we begin to focus and behold the person and character of God, we remember who our hope is founded in. Our problems, although they're there, they seem to kind of fade away because we're focused on our hope. So understanding all that we've considered about God as our source of help, now let's move into the second section of this psalm and think about the type of help that God provides in verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, as we look at those verses, a couple of questions begin to pop up. For example, what is meant by he will not let your foot be moved? What does that mean? So typically throughout scripture, to lose your footing or your standing or to slip or to fall almost always implies something bad, right? Remember, this psalm would have been sung by God's people on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship. And in a general way, the concept of a pilgrimage can be used as an illustration, like I said before, for the life of a believer, right? Think about the book, Pilgrim's Progress. So in keeping with that illustration, uh, as Christians, sometimes unexpected things happen on our journey. We've we thought about all types of problems thus far from the everyday grind to suffering through terrible hardships. And many times during the journey of the Christian life, it seems to us, from, from our perspective at least, that we're failing. That we're failing in following Christ. We start to question our salvation. We start to question our standing before God. We feel that our faith is weak. We look around and, and look at the things happening in our life. Our marriages are not where they should be. Our children aren't acting in the ways we want them to. We start to think that God has left us like he just, he's, he's asleep at the wheel. We feel like he's uninvolved in our lives. And to us, it feels like we've lost our footing. Right? It feels like our feet used to be here, but now they're here. They've moved. We may feel like that's happening. But that's not the truth, right? Your feelings don't equal truth. Because God is the one who is keeping us, right? The word keep is so important to remember. It's repeated six times throughout this whole psalm. So to understand what the psalmist is saying by, by that word, it would be helpful for you to know that the Hebrew word used here for keep means to guard or to attend to carefully, to watch over, to keep. This is the type of help that God provides to his people, right? He always keeps them. 
if maintaining your standing before God were up to you and how well you follow Jesus, if your salvation was conditional on your own performance in life, then you have no hope of spending eternity with God. Right? If my salvation was up to me to keep, I would lose it every day because I fail every day. But not Jesus. Right? Because he keeps me saved. It's not my work that matters, it's his. Not only does he keep the individual believer, but God keeps all of his people. Right? He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He guards his people constantly. We may think that he's asleep at the wheel, but it doesn't matter, again, what we feel or what we think about God. What matters is what's true of him. And what's true of him is right here in this psalm. That he will not let your foot be moved. In Jesus, our, our footing is secure. Our standing before God is not founded on our own righteousness. Right? This, this is the type of help that God provides for his people. All of us are in desperate need of this type of help. Because without it, we're still dead in our sins and we stand condemned. Right? And that truth leads us to the third section of the psalm as we spend the rest of our time reflecting on God as our keeper. All right, take a look back with me at verses five through eight. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So, so far we thought about God as our source of help and the type of help that he provides. Uh, so now I want us just to rest in this truth about God as our keeper. Right, so in this third section, I want us to think about God's keeping in two respects. All right, first, how God keeps us during the everyday ups and downs of the Christian life. And then secondly, how God keeps us, eternally speaking. So right here in verse 5, clearly stated, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Now, why would the psalmist describe God like that, as a shade on your right hand? Well, people tend to, to seek out shade when they're tired, when the, the journey's worn them down, when they need a place to rest. God as your keeper means that he provides you with rest from the pressure and heat that you face every day. And a lot of times when life becomes too much to bear, we have a habit of seeking our rest and our comfort in other things and other places. We're so burned out with everything and everyone we isolate ourselves. We isolate ourselves from the church. Now, it's not bad to take a break and, and have some me time, right? But it can be unhealthy if bad things are happening in your life and you don't share that with anybody. When you keep all that in and just isolate and break away from people, that's not the right answer. Because God works through the body of the church to provide shade and shelter for those who need it. This is where God 
provides us help. Other times we try to find our rest in our, in our own sin. You know, people try to escape the stresses of life by getting drunk or by doing drugs. Or they run a pornography or other sexual sin. And those things only offer temporary relief. But because we have Jesus, God is sufficient to provide us the rest that we need today, tomorrow, and forever. So practically speaking, what what does God's keeping look like for us day to day? A couple things here. One, he keeps us by his spirit. Right? Think Ephesians 1. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We have God's Spirit as a down payment, that he is going to complete the work that he has started in us. All right. Second, God keeps us through his word. Right, think Romans 12 on this one. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right, as we come to God's word, and as we remind ourselves, and as we look to Christ in the pages of scripture, our, our minds being renewed by his spirit through his word. Right. God keeps us through the local church. Right, He continues to knit our hearts together as one body, as we spur each other on to follow Jesus, to trust Christ. And he, in, in that, he keeps us through the, uh, the ordinary means of grace, right? Prayer for one another, fellowship, Sunday morning worship, what we're doing right here, right now. God is keeping you through this, right? Partaking in the Lord's Supper. This table is a visual reminder of God's promise to keep his people. So this is how he keeps us every day, day after day, week after week. All right, now we're going to start to draw our time to a close. So let's think more about God keeping us, eternally speaking. I'll go back through uh, verses 7 and 8 one more time. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. For those who are kept by God, they will be kept not just in this life, but God is going to keep them forever. If you're familiar with it, that's why question one of the Heidelberg Catechism, it's one of my favorite questions of any catechism there is. Um, that's why this is true, right? Because question one of the Heidelberg is founded in the promise of God to keep his people for eternity. All right, so here it is. Question one of the Heidelberg. <clears throat> what is your only comfort in life and in death? This is the answer. That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. That's wonderful. We need to rest there. There's no, there's no work to do. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Jesus has done everything you need for salvation. He's done everything you need to be kept from today to forever. Right? This is the doctrine of eternal security or the perseverance of the saints. I like the way Wayne Grudem defines it in uh, his systematic theology. He defines it like this. The perseverance of the saints means that all those who are truly born again will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives. And that only those who persevere until the end have been truly born again. Right. There will definitely be times during your Christian walk when you don't feel like you're, you're saved. Uh, you don't feel like God's keeping you. But never place your hope in your own subjective feelings. Remember that if you belong to God, you're his. And he's the one who's keeping you. I know, I want this to encourage you, I know that if you are truly in Christ, then it is not you, but Jesus who has secured your salvation for eternity. He's paid the penalty for your sin by living a perfect righteous life and dying on the cross in your place. And before you came to know him, you were his enemy. You were far off, separated from God, undeserving of his love and of his favor. And all that being true, he still pursued you. He still pursued you. He gave you the faith, and not just the faith, but the desire to follow Jesus. So before I finish, I want to read you the promise Jesus made about keeping his people in John uh, chapter 10. This is where we'll come to a, a close. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is the one who keeps you from this time forth and forever. Let's pray. Father, Lord, help us, God, that when we feel the burden of just the everyday, help us, God, to look to Jesus, knowing that that is where our help is, knowing that is where our hope is. God, you've given us your Son, you've given us your Spirit, You've given us your word. You've given us the church. 
Lord, when, when trials come, help us to lean more and more into the means of grace that you've given to us as your people. God, we love you. We thank you that your son came and did everything that was required to not only save us, but to also keep us saved. Thank you, God, for keeping us every day. Forgive us, Lord, for the times when we think that you're just not caring, that you're uninvolved. Lord, you're, we know that you're a keeper. We know that you watch over us. Help us to, to preach that truth to ourselves daily. God, we love you. We, we come to you to find rest from the weariness of life. Help us to do that more. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.